Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, timeless characters whose stories were retold in the modern day with the creation of the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Join us as we journey through My Ultimate Year. Hello and welcome to My Ultimate Year. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald. We today are going to be talking about Ultimate Universe Marvel Comics. I am joined by regular co-host Zach Dean, as well as special guest co-host Monica Estrella Negra. Monica, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are y'all doing? You know, good, pretty good. well, pretty well. I was actually doing really well um, honestly, mm-hmm. like I, I've had a good week. It's been relaxed. Things are going well. It's my wife's birthday this weekend. Um, I've got everything covered. Flowers arrived today. I feel good. I, I felt okay about these ultimate comics. And then I read ultimate power and I cannot tell you <laughs> how many times I have stopped. I, I have tried to read this series probably over the, not even like just for this podcast, but over the last several years, it occurs to me, like I had never finished this because every time I started, I got mad and stopped <laughs> like, wow, you're bringing, like every single time this is a very zach-esque uh way to open the show which is immediately opening with being like Ugh, we're <laughs> gonna get into it but Ugh. yeah yeah no you're right <laughs> that's usually right. me okay. doing that yeah you're right we should we should say what the show is so okay this is my ultimate year we are reading through every marvel ultimate comic okay from the years approximately 2000 to 2015 this is my ultimate year number 16 which we we are not going like year by year exactly like my marvelous year the the podcast we do where we cover earth 616 but we are circa 2006 2007 here mm-hmm. as we kind of rapidly approach ultimatum and we, we may have some things to say about that, kind of obviously that we've been hyping up in the Ultimate Universe experience. But we're pretty deep into the Ultimate Universe. Today we're going to talk about Ultimate Annual number 2, Ultimate Power number 1 through 9, and Ultimate Spider-Man number 97 to number 105. Before we do that, Monica, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where uh, where people can find you, all that fun stuff? Yes, so I am a filmmaker and a writer, and you can find me on Twitter just like everybody else now, especially since we've been under lockdown and it's the the living room of the universe, I feel. Um, (laughs) So you can find me on Twitter at Negramonica1 or via my film production company's Twitter, which is at Audrey Revenge. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. We'll put links to that in the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, let's let's dig into the comics then. What can I? Can and, I actually? I have a question for Monica. Do you yeah, do you have a history with the Ultimate Marvels? Have you read I, these before? I do not actually. Is this your first? I read first time. Mm-hmm, okay. I read all of them, and I was actually really. I second with you, Dave. I was annoyed by some of the things that I read. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I uh, wrote a bunch of notes about it. Very good. So good. I'm very excited to get into that because, okay. uh, yeah, questionable. Yeah, highly questionable. Yeah, yeah. Highly questionable. <laughs> content is definitely our way. Um, all right, yeah. let's let's start with Ultimate's Annual Number Two, which is which is an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting entry in the Ultimate Universe canon. So like Ultimates is this is the flagship, right? It's the Avengers version. Uh, of the Ultimate Universe, but it has basically to this point been uh, the creation of Mark Miller and Brian Hitch, right? Like basically Mm -hmm. from 2000 to 2005, those are the creators who have owned and and dominated that conversation for better and for worse. And I think in a lot of ways, Zach, you know, one thing we definitely, you and I have fallen back on a, a bunch of times is like, even when it's not great, it's still the most interesting thing in the ultimate universe regularly like there Mm -hmm. tend to be the biggest ideas there tend to be the most groundwork laid for things that would later get used in the mcu um it's an interesting franchise uh, at the very least but ultimate's annual number two is kind of an interesting stopgap in terms of the transition 
the ultimate universe is about to go through, which is basically um, significantly less Mark Miller and significantly less Brian Hitch for what that's worth as well. Here we have writer Charlie Huston. We have pencils by Mike Diodata Jr. with Ryan Sook on uh, on flashbacks, which I was really interested to see. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we have a different creative flavor. And Ultimate's annual number two is uh, it's a Captain America, Steve Rogers, and Falcon Sam Wilson story. And in the Ultimate verse... Because of the way Falcon was introduced in the uh, Galactus trilogy that we read not too long ago, mm-hmm. like Cap and Fa- Cap and Falcon don't have a connection at this point in the Ultimate Universe. So this annual is kind of about establishing the connections that we know these characters have from Earth six one six in a lot of ways. Um, it is it is not an uninteresting issue. It definitely doesn't. It definitely doesn't approach it from the Miller sort of like big crazy angle. It's pretty grounded in terms of just like who are these people, who are these characters, and then what is a weird big cap story we can tell in this universe. Um, but I was actually, I was pretty intrigued throughout big picture. Uh, Zach, let's throw it to you first. What did you think of Ultimate Annual number two? Oh, I, that's interesting. You, I, I kind of thought it was a mess and a little boring and a little incoherent. <laughs> um it is attempting to do mainly like a road trip with Captain America and Falcon and really comment on like, yeah, Captain America, he's from 1945 and let's, you know, pair him with uh, like a black Avenger and talk about like the, the strife there between having a white man from the forties and shoved into modern day America and his like old fashioned ideas of things. And I am not, uh, I think I've said this before. I'm not like opposed, like, a white guy writing about race relations, but you got to choose the right white guy. And I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he has much to say here. And I think he kind of just is dancing around the issue without like making it, like it feels like just using it as some kind of like, I don't know, like we're just having the conversation, but like there's nothing to be said here. It feels very empty and hollow. Like there's a lot of stuff that just feels like it's used for surface set dressing. Um, not least of which is the fact that uh, Armin Zola, the uh, the Nazi scientist has a creation called like the White Death, something like that, White Dust, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, and it is bringing back like corpses to life, zombie corpses, just just non-white ones though, and it's like they kind of briefly touch on it, right? Like Hitler wanted an army of all white people, so and so the people who could survive the process are the ones with the most melanin, but they, like it's it mostly feels like a lot of. Uh, exploiting tragedy and <laughs> real life uh hatred and racism for some kind of like fun plot point without really wanting to examine it mm. that was kind of my main problem with this um cool art like i liked uh i liked ryan sook's art with the flashbacks to world war ii those were like really dynamic um but uh it, it kind of feels like trying to do the hellboy nazi thing but like yeah it's trying very, to take it very, very hellboy flavor but it's trying yeah. to take it really seriously like hellboy i feel like hellboy some maybe gets away with it and i you know people disagree with this but like gets away with it a little more by kind of um i don't know it, it's it's pulpier right and the, the not i i don't know there's something about like this being serious but not that serious that that puts it in a weird area where it just it does not work for me monica what do you what do you think i mean i agree with Zach in, in some in some regards, especially because I don't know, it just kind of read like an ABC like kid special on like the like about racism in like a yep. weird way. It was kind of like a really watered down version. Like this is, you know, the big bad and then we have this over here. And then they tried to do like this whole comparison thing of like when the black soldiers like came up to Steve like after the big ball, after they had like uh gotten rid of the Nazis or whatever, liberated a camp. And they said, like, oh, I want your autograph, but we weren't allowed to come into the ball. And they tried to get, like, fake deep by being like, wow, the America really hasn't changed in this way. So it was, like, kind of bizarre. But then also uh, the whole scene between Sam and Steve when they first are embarking on the road trip, it was just, like, a little messy because uh, when you ask them, like, how can you deal with this lack of progress? And this is coming from a dude from, like, 1945. And, like, he definitely has seen, like, how heightened xenophobia and racism can go. And it just seemed like there was, like, this unwanted pressure to have, like, this person that clearly deals with racism every day to do, like, the emotional work of, like, helping this person, you know. It's just, yeah, it was to, just, like, bizarre. To, to, also, to give our... them... Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. No, go I, for it. I was going to say, like, to... to give a little context this captain america 
is definitely a lot more like right wing nationalistic than the mainline one, right? So mm-hmm. like they, they they are more comfortable with making him a little more quote unquote old fashioned, meaning like you know getting mad mm-hmm. at hip hop on the radio and just being like I I don't like that there's foul language on the radio, right? So like the, especially in the context that's actually of an all interesting the ultimate thing about is, Cap here. It is that Zach, like I, they're fine vilifying actually... him a little bit. So I think like you know it, it is attempting to be like Captain America is in the wrong here, right? Like Captain America mm-hmm. is a jerk in the Ultimate Universe almost always. Like <laughs> he is almost entirely you know like out of time in the worst way, right? And and kind of refusing to budge a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I totally agree. Like the ABCs of racism is very good because sort of feels like and it feels like there's no you know he's not saying anything about it. He's not like. Captain America doesn't go through much of an arc here, right? It's not a learning moment. It's not, like, much of a... I, I mean, the, the closest thing to, like, a radical point that Sam has is uh, is that he actually, when he talks about, like, some black heroes, he does bring up Malcolm X and shows him standing there with a rifle, which I at least yeah. was like, oh, it's not MLK Jr. That feels like that would be the go-to, like, white liberal mm-hmm. <laughs> choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But to actually be, like, you know, Malcolm X with a, uh, with a rifle is one of our heroes. is like, at least, at least that rung... Um, it's somewhat I did, radical I did think to me. Sam, I did think Sam's perse- perspective was, I, I actually thought it was surprisingly well done. And I say this as a white guy. So like, obviously that is my perspective that I'm coming to this from. Um, but he did, he did voice like, oh, Steve, so you expect me to just be your emotional support, you know, on this and like walk you through. Like he does kind of call he him did, on that. He had that, that one good line of surprising. like, I'm supposed to eat you know, I'm supposed to ignore what you mean because you're, you know, I, I'm supposed to understand that you mean well, and that's supposed to be enough for me. Yeah. Which is, I, I that, thought that, was that, that line really thoughtful. rings true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do, to Zach, to your point, I do, one thing that I've come around to in the Ultimate Universe is like, they, they're so, I don't know that they know they're doing it. Maybe Charlie Huston did by this point. I don't know that Miller knew he was doing it, but it's like letting Captain America be really disappointing is actually kind of interesting because in Earth 616, mm-hmm. Cap kind of always has to be, I represent the American dream, and seeing him, like, so wholly not understand, you know, that that progress has not been made, and kind of just being, like, very deaf to sort of the fact that, like, there is a, an ongoing black American struggle, you know, being surprised by that, that would be very disappointing in Earth-616, whereas in the Ultimate Universe, they, like, they almost lean into that disappointment as a way of trying to voice the, that concern or, or make those points I, I don't know how perfect it is but it does make it makes the differences in the characters like clear i suppose and that's one thing i value in the ultimate universe is like all right we've got this opportunity we've got this canvas to do something different with these marvel properties with captain america that means like he can be a version we actually aren't really like super into or rooting for in the way that we would be in 616 and it lets you tell the story like this where he doesn't have to be right he doesn't have to get it or come through the other side super changed um he can be disappointing and and just, there's a story to be told there i just wish there was like some something it just feels like someone he, he saw that idea of like yeah this captain america's from the 40s people from the 40s have kind of an old-fashioned way of thinking let's just have him talk about that and it's like there's no there's no uh, like deeper point to it, right? There doesn't feel like he's exploring any kind of theme. He's not doing it to a purpose. It just kind of feels like let's talk about what would happen if a man who's very old and racist uh, is still is now present day and racist. And it, I, 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 I don't. <laughs> so get... you're saying so you're saying there wasn't like a deeper thought of like creating like two separate entities and like two separate like characters. Like there doesn't seem like, to be some exploration of like you know, uh, a progression of American thought or, like, a lens of how people still think through this old-fashioned idea, right? Like, I I don't know. I just didn't have any... Like you said, it seems very basic. And it's kind of like, if you're Mm -hmm. gonna do something like this, like, have a thought behind it, right? Like, have something you want to explore. And... I felt like there was very right. little to explore. There's a few, like like we said, that lot. I like the line from Sam, right? That kind of, because I think that's a real, like, uh, white dude in his 20s idea of just, like, well, like, I know I'm not racist. That's enough, right? Like, you can, you can kind of lay off me because, like, I didn't mean anything by it. And, like, thinking that that is enough, right? Like, and Sam calling him out on that, I think, is, like, that's a well-observed point. But mm-hmm. like, or not taking Sam seriously when he's like, I can't like hitch us a ride because we're yes, in like southern right, Missouri. Yeah, he's like, right. what are you talking about? Like, of course you can go and do it. Like, yeah. What? What? Are you... Okay. 
you literally have an, like an outfit with an American flag on it. Right now. You will <laughs> yes. be able to flag down a limousine like in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> like get it together. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, I just want to say that Arnim Zola reminds me of like Dexter, like Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Like if you were like an evil Nazi, that's all I could think about while reading it. <laughs> God, yeah, I could see that, that shown I, forever. This this Arnim Zola is is definitely I mean, that's the character. You know, it's like it's he is that crazy Nazi mad scientist. Um so that I don't know that they do any particularly interesting reinvention. Zach, I think to your point, like with the white dust and it only affecting people of color with some vague specificity, like that that's the kind of sci fi thing that like you kinda have to have uh, a purpose there mm-hmm. or something you know yeah. it's just like because otherwise you're just throwing out details where it's like oh this is a story about race so guess what our weird sci-fi also is about race and it's like what how <laughs> like in what in what meaningful way is it that and i don't think listen like we're gonna tell you through this sci-fi uh conceit that the nazis super racist i bet you didn't know that you know it's like okay right. well no i right. did no, know that like... you're not exploring anything more it feels exploitative of that to me you know it's like I mean, this is Marvel. Talk about this with Marvel comics all the time, where it's just like there are some topics. Please write about them, but if you're going to write about them, like you have to be a little more careful. You have to be a little more they careful, have and you have to do your research. Yeah, you have and to you, have. Right. You have to. You're right, exactly. Have something to say, and you know, like if you want to talk about abuse or race or whatever, like anything that is, you know, a touchy real world subject. Like it just it mean you know. Should be handled with care. And I, I don't think this is a complete flub. I don't think this is like an absolute disaster of like that. I just think it is also kind of kind of misses its mark. It's kind of a it, it's pretty middle of the road. It's pretty safe. Yeah. And it, exactly to what you're saying, Zach. I mean, the history of Marvel is well-intentioned white guys getting the chance to write the voices yeah. of yeah. of minority perspectives, right? And yeah. there's a lot of flaws that come with that. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of fence sitting. <laughs> Well, as as there are with you know well intentioned white guys talking about it, right? It's like you you have a limited frame of reference here, um, potentially, and I think that's what happens with Ultimate Annual too. And and I think the one of the concerning things is much like I mean I think the one point that I think I actually thought was effective, and I, I gathering you didn't, um, hmm. neither of you did, but like actually the fact that the theme seems to be like okay, yes, Cap was fighting for equality in a sense in world war ii right they were fighting against this racism and then the idea that you could wake up whatever 60 years later and sam wilson can't get a get a um you know hitchhike with the mm-hmm. same yeah. like con- like same confidence the fact that like that should be disappointing that should be um a, 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 i don't know if it should be a revelation but it should be like that's that sucks and i think there's a lot of people who might look at that and be like, so much has changed. So much is better. How could you say racism is still... This is the thing we've seen so much over the last couple of years. How can you say people are still racist when, you know, or systematic racism exists? We have the Civil Rights Act. have gotten so much better, Race, right? We're in a yeah, post-racial society. Come on. So what are you like, talking about? And the reality yeah. is like, no, it's still bad. It's still a problem. It's not just going away. Like, it's deeply ingrained in this nation. So I, I don't know that this this issue says all those things super effectively, but I think given the fact that those are issues that I and many, many other people have been thinking about way more strenuously of late and way overdue, right? It's not it's not a thing that should have taken this for so many people to think about, um, but I, I feel like that is actually there in the theme a little bit. So I, I connected with it on that level. Yep. Do you have any other thoughts about it, Monica? Well, the ending was a little rough for me, especially because they tried to like imitate, what's the famous statue? You know where they're like putting back up the American flag. Oh, the soldiers. Yeah, yeah, like that was like the ending part, like the the ending dialogue between uh, Captain America and Sam. And it was just, I don't know, it was just a bit odd to me, especially because the American flag had like a peace symbol on it, and to me that just like screamed like <laughs> liberal. Like if we just all get along, then we'll actually have peace. Wherein it's a bit more nuanced than that. Yeah, it like yeah. takes a lot more than just like hearing the perspective of a, a a person of color or a black person in order to like actually deconstruct all the things that you've been socially conditioned to and you know internalize. So, uh, so yeah, I guess I I agree with y'all. Like it's definitely kind of mediocre. I think I think by the time sense, it got. By the time I got to that, I was just like, this is kind of incoherent. And I think like the symbols stopped meaning anything to me because <laughs> I was I was yeah. already like kind of lost with the uh, like this uh, symbolism of everything. So. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't even notice that uh, peace symbol. And I think part of it, <laughs> yeah. when you actually describe it now, it's it's like 
almost comically like off brand because it is like that flies in the face of like the ultimates arc that would have come right before this you know with ultimates 2 which is like all about like american military might and all the problems mm-hmm. with that in in many ways it's one of i think miller's actually more effective like political uh i don't know like uh perspectives you know for for what that's worth so all right any, sure. anything else uh super super key that we want to talk about with ultimate annual two i think kind of we're all netting out I'm, on I'm good yeah fairly nope. mediocre yeah okay yeah um all right so the next issues that we read um i guess let's just let's just go in order i i, I mean i let's i guess <laughs> yeah, let's do please. it let's get to it let's do ultimate power number one to number nine now zach i gotta tell you and monica as well um i don't think i don't think i've been as <laughs> as angry at anything in the <laughs> ultimate universe as yeah. i was with ultimate power this this bugged the heck out of me and uh i was i was seriously looking at uh, through the first three issues in particular which are written by brian michael bendis good old breichel mm-hmm. and uh and greg land and boy we got to talk about greg land but Oof. uh these these issues drove me up a wall i seriously started and stopped the third issue i think it's the third issue five to seven times <laughs> And I just, yeah. I put it down every time. I, I didn't read them until today because I was like, and I've been trying for like two weeks. And I was like, I got to just get through this dang thing. And uh, so so Ultimate Power, let me just give the background here, is <laughs> it's a, it's an Ultimate Universe maxi series, okay, yeah. of sorts. It's really weird in that the first three issues are written by Bendis. Then the next three are written by J. Michael Straczynski, who is also at this time writing a Marvel Squadron Supreme mini, which was kind of kind of lost in the shuffle of Marvel 2000 stuff. Um, JMS also around this time, he's doing Amazing Spider-Man. He does Thor. Like, he has some big 2000s Marvel works. Um, but he comes on for three issues, and then the final three issues are written by Jeff Loeb. Okay, and Jeff Loeb's a name that we're going to talk about a whole bunch as we progress through the My Ultimate Year experience, right? But so we, we already have just this, like, event by committee. You know, it's it's a maxi-series eventish Very kind weird. of thing. yeah. And it's all and all, but somehow Greg Land is consistent throughout. Which, if we were going to change anything, for goodness' <laughs> yes. sake, we yeah, because the writing that. actually, you know what? If I didn't notice that the writers were different, I wouldn't have been like, well, this feels very different all of a sudden. There, there are no. some small differences you might note, but like overall, the the writing feels consistent enough. Consistently bad, but like it's consistent. It's consistent, I suppose. Um, yeah. and, it, and it is that big Ultimate Universe feel where everyone comes to play, right? Sometimes comically, like, absurd, where it's like, one page is like, the Ultimates are here, next page, and the X-Men's music, you know, it's just like this big, big, you know, introduction cameo uh, affair, and they do that a bunch. It's like, it's not it's not cohesive or well-structured, um, but, okay, all that is basically built around uh, Reed Richards is exploring universes, trying to heal his pal, Ben Grimm, and in doing so or so we believe, he accidentally destroys the Squadron Supreme universe, uh, which then brings in a Squadron Supreme team to uh, Ultimate Universe reality, and they say, hey, you destroyed our planet. They take Reed back for trial. It becomes a rescue Reed operates. That is the crux of the plot. Um, it is, it's a very odd story. Before I get to all the things that just drove me up a wall and, and that I absolutely hated, uh, Monica, let's start with you. What was your, because you said like you haven't read a ton of Ultimate Universe stuff. This is a really weird one to throw at you. It's like, yeah. it's like your semi-introduction. So much, yeah. There was so much going on. Like I had to go back and read over pages because there was just way too much stuff going uh, on. I was just like, where so the sorry hell we chose did these this people one. come from? Where did they come from? Who? What? Especially I, when, uh, what's his name? Hyperion? Like, it's, it's a rough one that, to like... jump in because even if you know, <laughs> even if you know the Ultimate Universe, it also then just throws like two different superhero teams that you might not be familiar with, mm-hmm. right? It's like, yeah. so it was confusing to me, and I know this stuff, so yeah, it was it was a bit much. Uh, I think the only thing that I thoroughly enjoyed was Nick Fury being called Nicky Poo by by Spider Man. I was just <laughs> like, oh my gosh, yes, that's a very Peter Parker thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, it was a bit, uh, especially because there were so many like plot holes within it. So (laughs) I I mean like spoilers, but yeah, so like with Reed and then like uh, Dr. Doom just popping out of nowhere. Like I definitely did not see that coming. And I was just like, this is a major cluster bleep. Uh, as far as the right. story, and it's really like inconsistent. And like as a beginner reader, like I definitely wanted to lose interest because it was way too confusing. But I 
powered through. Thank you. Just so also I, I could know what the F I was talking about. So. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've done everyone a charity in, in powering. Th- yeah, it's you. a really hard book to power through, I think. I mean, it's not quite. So we always to talk about in the power through. My Marvelous Year universe, uh, Secret Wars 2 is like the hardest event, I would say, to power through. I would say it's the hardest comic series to finish this side of Marvel, which is my least favorite comic of all time. Um, but Ultimate Power's up there for reasons that are like a little bit different, I, I would say. I mean, Zach, what was... I, obviously, I'm throwing the negative shade. Did you actually have as negative a reaction to it, or were you kind of like... Yeah, I, I didn't what? have a hard time reading it. I mean, I had to read it today all at once. So, like, I, I got through it really quickly. Um, I thought it, like... It doesn't go down smoothly, but, like, it wasn't, like, a difficult read. It wasn't too dense, um, which is actually, I think, kind of its problem. I think this would be a fine three issue. I mean, it wouldn't be a fine three issues, but it would be a much better three issues than nine issues. It it's is definitely too long. Inc- yeah. Way too long. And then also just, like, it's full of, like, twists and turns. They're not really twists and turns. They're just, they have, like, the cadence of twists and turns, but it's like, haha, the real villain was this guy. And it was like, well, I don't know who that guy is. Okay, sure whatever and then it was like no doom is behind it and it's like but he wasn't the really. doctor he... doom reveal super sucks and it's, the ultimate universe anything. is yeah. kind of they've done nothing but waste doctor doom in the ultimate universe which is obviously bothers me a lot they had that one good fan. one good story where he swapped bodies with reed richards that was fun okay sure um but yeah. no i mean mo- but otherwise it's like yes. okay he shows otherwise, up and he's yeah. the he's the secret villain but then it's like they don't do anything with that and somehow despite it being too long they don't have time to do anything with that 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 was kind of annoying although i will say by that point like once i got through the first three-ish issues um once it hits like issue six or something and they just start doing really weird thing after really weird thing <laughs> that at least had my attention mm-hmm. you know so like they go through a phase of like Ooh, it was Doctor Doom all along. And then, like, 30 seconds later, it's like, oh, and we're bringing in the real Squadron Supreme. Scarlet Witch is going to warp them in here. And they just start getting weird in a way that actually, like, once I got to that point, I was like, all right, this is just strange comic stuff. I'm at least mildly intrigued by what the point, if any, of this is. And I, I, honestly, by the end of this, like, what what is the outcome? Because it's the solicit for the final issue, issue nine, is like, oh, like big changes for the Ultimate Universe. I mean, Nick, what, Nick Fury what gets, happened. Nick Fury is knocked out of power. That's the big thing. That's like the okay. only takeaway here. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Is yeah, Nick, yeah. Nick Fury is taken out of power because he like conspired with Doctor Doom to send a probe to like switch out Reed Richards' probe with Doctor Doom's, but then Doctor Doom. I, 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 I no, don't that's know. that's it. That's it. Yeah, because yeah, Doom, but then Doctor I, Doom, Doom changed contaminated it or something. But then Doctor Doom like, didn't actually contaminate it. It was the oh guy. wait, no, it was email Burbank or whatever. Right, exactly. Right. So like, it was like double cross, no triple cross. Like, but then I also <laughs> didn't like it hadn't built any of that up. So it was just like a person you've never heard of is the actual villain, and Doom didn't do anything. So that twist we just gave you didn't mean anything. It was just a fake twist. It was a fake out twist. And yeah. It, it just but. Like not to any point, I, yeah. It, it's it's kind of uh, it, it feels like it exists just to uh, sell copies. Like that that is the worst thing I can say about a comic where it's just like it feels like so totally. It's about nothing but just like trying to get you to read the next one, but like without 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 trying to like be like here's a great idea that will hook them. It's just literally like what's something like big and bold that will grab their attention? Dr. Doom, I guess, right? Like people like him, that will be like, people will go, <gasps> and then it's like, yeah. we don't have anything to say about, about that, but I guess that will be what it is. I, I, I don't know. Like at the very beginning, it kind of felt like Reed Richards destroying another universe's earth. Okay. There's, there's something there. And then it doesn't want to actually do that. And it veers away from it. And it was somebody else. So yeah. Uh, I, I think the story is an absolute mess. Do we want to talk about Greg Land? Because we've we've talked about Greg yeah, Land. Yeah, we, we have to. So that's that's why this yeah. book is is unreadable to if, me. If the and, art was and better, one of my it least would favorite be things that we've read in not the Ultimate good, Universe. But... I mean, his his artwork in this is absolutely atrocious in in every way that we've described to date. So, like when we've seen Greg Land on previous stuff, I think you know the one kind of. One thing we've said is it, generally it's been somewhat forgiving. It's almost comical, I suppose, in like, you know, he's well known for like literally tracing porn stars faces and like these expressions of like, this is like the reputation the dude has. So it's like, all right, if, if in a Fantastic Four comic, if he's going to make, you know, these like outlandish, just kind of like, I guess, quote unquote, like 2006 style sexy women are going to like, and I'd say that quote unquote, because it's like, there's nothing sexual about this. Um, But like, if that's the style, you know, 
I, I can get through that to a point, I suppose. Um, it, you know, and but here, it's just like it's so overdone every step of the way. It's like it's trying so hard. It's really to sell itself to like really the worst image of yeah. the teenage boy comic fan, which is an image yeah. that I hate as the predominant like comics reader. Like it's it's just it's like it's like um artwork for a marketing agency saying here's our demographic here's what we need and he's like can we do porn nope okay here's the next best thing and what drove me absolutely off the wall about it was uh kate pride kitty pride i was gonna say yeah thank you Six, for bringing 16 this up. 16 maybe 15 16 16 yeah. every with possible opportunity like, to show up her skirt yeah. is taken every mm-hmm. possible opportunity in multiple issues. It's not just a single issue. And one, like, I forget, I think it's issue three, and this is the one I can't get through. It opens with a shot of that, and I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, I would be so embarrassed to be seen reading this comic book. You know, anyone who hears, like, oh, Dave it- like comics, <laughs> and then I walk into a room, and I'm like, oh, you want to see this picture of Kitty Pride? I'd be so embarrassed. Like, I mean, e- even if it wasn't that picture. I mean, the, the thing is that, like, with, with the Fantastic Four, I guess there's just less characters around, right? So it doesn't feel like... There's at least less, um, there's a lot less women around. It's usually just Sue Storm. <laughs> so at least, like, it's mom. only, like, one quarter of the drawings. Because he he's not terrible with the men. It's literally because he draws all women. No, he's bad with the men, too. Reed I Richards mean, he, is he's bad, to be but... 18. He looks like he's 42. He no, looks like no, he's like 16. I, I agree, but, like, there, there's not that, like, the thing with his men is because when, when they're running into battle, they at least look angry, right? Like, his women don't look angry or, like... You know, during a battle cry, they all look like they're like a little drunk, and they just saw their best friend like at the bar, right? and they're just like, <laughs> "Kirsten, it's, like, it's, hi! Of, it's like, like a lot of posturing, like they're posing for like photo shoots yeah. or anything like that, or whenever because well, like, they, they start probably talking about something that's serious, they, like he does like this weird like hand pose, and like their hair is blowing, and then mm-hmm. it's just like full on cleavage, and I'm just like, they're about to like kill people. What's going on? And, and like, in every... <laughs> and you'll see in the same issue that he's tracing the same face over and over again right it's so consistently like the same five faces that he pulls from and it's like different women having the same exact expression over and over ben Grimm, he uses a uh, a copy of ben Grimm's face here like four times across these nine issues that's the same exact drawing of ben Grimm's face over and over again like it is so lazy and th- this is where absolutely because the fantastic four stuff like we had some problems with it but like he's He's good at the zombie stuff. Zombie stuff's great. Like that well, works that, really that well. Well, that was the thing. There's nothing here to hide. With it. Earlier right. issues. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was like you can hide some of the the ability to portray individuals because of the supernatural or fantasy stuff that I actually gave him some credit for. I thought it yeah, wasn't half totally. bad. Um, yeah. And in Ultimate Power, there's absolutely none of that. All of the threats are absolutely human. I I think before I get to some of the other critiques there. Um, I, I just have to say, too, like, this is a conversation that goes on a lot, and I think people can take sort of the wrong message, which is to say, like, I have nothing against sexuality or or erotic comics, okay? I literally had an interview scheduled today with a, a writer, Steve Fox, who uh, wrote a graphic novel from Oni Press called Cheater Code, and it's like, it's a straight-up erotic graphic novel, okay? Um, now it's entirely queer, so it's like, you know, it's different than what Greg Land's going for here. Um, but I'm just saying, like, there's a place for that in comics that can be extremely interesting. And I'm not out here taking away your Lola Bunny or whatever, right? Like, that's the, that's the <laughs> oh, hot topic. God, please, no. Dave, no. I, I want to be, I want to get into Lola Bunny. All right, let's, this is why I brought Excuse you all me? here today. You want to get into who? I, I know what I said, Zach. <laughs> Did we know about furries? Do y'all know? Okay, oh, yeah. never mind. <laughs> no, uh, but I'm just saying, like, there's a place for that. This, these comics, it's so, it's so like, uh, it's just so lazy and watered down and repetitive and just there's no purpose to it. Yeah. And, and like Monica's saying, like there's no point to. It's not contextual. It doesn't make sense in the context of Scarlet Witch going into battle that she'd be posing like this. And then the other thing, the other critique about Greg Lanzar that just drives me up a wall here is like his layouts are atrocious. I just oh, everything I, I kind of disagree. The same I, I five panels th- like, stacked on top of each other. Yeah, maybe it. they're boring and he like does the same thing, but I actually think like the layout is easy enough to read and I think he does an okay job with that. It's easy. It, it's not that, it's not like a challenge. It's just No, I mean it's it's, it's not like the most interesting thing, but like I mean the thing that's frustrating about him is that like like his costumes pretty good, you know? Like I I think overall like he could be a decent artist if he just he has that huge crutch that totally ruins it. it. It's absolutely like 
Anyway, Monica, what do, what do you think? We're, we're dominating this. So, I, I mean, like, I personally think that, like, uh, a woman's sexuality, like, whatever you want to do, you can do it, et cetera, et cetera. But it definitely takes on a different form when it's from, like, and cater to, like, the male gaze mm-hmm. in that way. And that's where it becomes offensive because it's just, like, in the context of what these women are actually, like, doing and, like, being in battle, like, it just, like the like you said like the emotion like the facial expressions like storm was there and she just like had like this very like monotonous like look on her face and we actually didn't get to see storm that much in the comic too which i was kind of i don't know why the x-men are there at all (laughs) it's very strange that they're yeah yeah, it just felt like let's smush everyone in here everybody just showed up for the party but yeah um yeah i agree with you dave like i'm just like it, it was just like are you just like trying to like over exploit this or are you just like legitimately thinking that this is what the characters look like in your mind and this is what they're doing, which is also like very clear that it's coming from like this like weird like male perspective in that sense. Cause I just like feel that. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. I don't know. Oh, also I had a question for y'all actually mm-hmm. uh, in regards to uh, uh, um, Iron Man in his comment in regards to Pietro and, and Scarlet Witch, it's kind of like this weird yeah, incestuous that's, that's thing. Is that like a yeah. weird thing? That's a thing in the Ultimates, yeah, that the two of them are a little, like, uh... It's been like, not like, so subtly played up so far. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, it, like, like the Lannisters. Leaning into they, it. they have a, a Lannister thing going a on. Very Lannister vibe, yeah. That, that's, yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, that, cut, that like, threw me off. I was just like... Yeah, I guess out of context. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they played too much with it, but yeah, out of context, that would be uh-huh. very confusing. <laughs> okay yeah okay yeah i think this this is a disaster and the ultimate universe is really bad at events we haven't had a good event yet right i I don't think we've had anything close to a good event and this really solidifies it and ultimatum's coming up so (laughs) like yeah yeah i don't i mean they are extraordinarily bad at events which sort of raises the question of like well what is the ultimate universe good at you know like what I, I guess I, I think this is maybe a thing we've talked about even, but like Ultimates in and of itself kind of it feels like an event. And I think that's the thing that Miller and mm-hmm. Hitch pull off successfully is they make that series launch feel like an event. They make it feel like a huge deal. And even something like the the Bendis written Spider-Man saga we're going to talk about next, that kind of feels like a Spidey event. Like if that's an Earth 616 thing, there's crossovers and there's Spider-Woman tying in and there's this and that, right? And, and probably not for its benefit. It's probably not better that way. Um, but that size story does sort of get shoved into the the ongoings because there's there's a limited nature to how many there are. But then exactly when they do these things where they bring all the characters together, um, I, Ultimate Power is the first one that i have hated um i think the other ones are very middle of the road but you, you and know the other what? thing too with ultimate I, I power think... is just like why like a big squadron supreme story in the ultimate universe is not it doesn't really open up anything different about what the ultimate universe can do like that's not that interesting again like we have this tapestry we have this canvas that is supposed to be different from earth 616 it lets you do new things tapping into the squadron supreme is like that's as old as 70s avengers roy thomas comics like there's nothing super unique or that interesting about it i think to your earlier point zach if you were gonna do it where it's about yeah, Reed Richards destroyed them accidentally. He destroyed the universe accidentally. Now we have to deal with those ramifications. That's different. That's interesting. Uh, but then they back out of that even, you know? So I just, man, this comic, I, it's it's going in you, the, you, the bottom of the list, Zach. The you bottom know what? of the I list. Think, I think compared to uh, the, the Galactus, I actually would read this again. Because at least this was like bonkers. Really? It, at least it was like bonkers. Galactus thing was so boring to me that I just like, there's yeah. nothing there to, to read. At least this is dumb. Like, uh, the Galactus thing was just like, yeah, it's competent, but it's very boring. I just want to know if, you know, those 10 million, 10 million people that were killed uh, got any justice. Yeah, yeah, they don't, totally don't worry about them. About them. The, com- oh, okay, the, the cool. comic also doesn't want you to think about it. Too. <laughs> Once you find out that Reed Richards didn't do it, the comic is just like, no problem. That's what it seemed Let's like. Yeah, on. they were just like... They were like, it's fine. Fake uh, Elon Musk like was just like having a power trip, so... Email, email Emil Burbank. That's all I could think of. Yeah. Was yeah. Well, I was like, hmm. But yeah, t- 10 million people. And that was like a major point that they were trying to harp on as being like, we have to get retribution because like they killed all of our people. And like even Hyperion 
uh, that was like his whole like bag is that he couldn't save them all. And they went on for like yeah. a minute of him just having all this regret. And then they just like never came back to it again. So the continuity was a bit all over the place. And to my knowledge, like I, not to spoil anything, but like, I don't know that they ever do come up again. Like, no, of course <laughs> like, not. No like, way. There's no up, way this is ever the end of it. brought up again. Yeah. No, no, no way. But I'm wow. saying for a what's supposed to be a big universe event that should have ramifications you know for all of, oh, and obviously yeah, of we're course. talking about a thing that we haven't read yet but like for all of ultimatums problems that we're going to talk about that has a big old ramifications for what that universe becomes ultimate power is just like it happens and i guess the nick fury thing i guess the nick fury thing is the takeaway which man there's a long awful way to get to that could have been that could have been an email we could have we could have sent an email <laughs> that said nick fury no longer director and we i'd have been fine i would have been happy with yeah, yeah, agreed. It, it's, it's. I mean, the, the comic doesn't want, like, it's not serious. You know, it wants to kill 10 million people, but not have you think about it. You know, it's like the Man of Steel thing, where it's just like, yeah, we caused $15 billion in property damage, but, like, that's not the point. The point is Superman has a hard choice to make, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it's very much that. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so, at this point in the reading, <clears throat> I was very down. I was like, the all this ultimate power stinks. I didn't like that annual... And no one like, man should have all that <clears throat> ultimate power. That was another thing I've been thinking about <laughs> yes, by yeah. the end of this. You love, you love that joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, any, any chance I get. The, the, we've, we've read 96 issues of Ultimate Spider-Man, and I think the last two or three batches of Spider-Man, you and I have been like pretty down on it because it has definitely been in a rut, and it has definitely yeah. been spinning its yeah. wheels, and it feels like it has nowhere to go. And I was like, oh boy, we're reading nine issues of this, huh? That's, mm -hmm. that's a lot. Um... 10, 10 issues. Uh, I loved this. This was very good. This felt like a return to form for me. Yeah. I was way into this. And I think it's actually a good contrast with Ultimate Power, where like Ultimate Power was like twists and turns that are ultimately meaningless and empty without like th there's no plan to it. There's no larger idea behind it. And this felt very like, yeah, he, he seems like Brian Benkelman has planned this out. And like most, <laughs> right, yeah. most of the twists had like a reason for being right. Even if some of the twists turned out to be fake, right. The, the his dad coming back then was like mm -hmm. a double twist. Like there was some meaning behind that. Right. It was not just kind of like a twist to get you to buy the next issue. Um, and, and like, there's, and there's emotion to it. Yeah. But before we go further into yeah, the thing, yeah. Monica, what is your clone saga relationship? Do you, mm, what is yeah. your, have you read like the original? Um, I, I imagine you hadn't read these. Do you have any like Spider-Man clone saga baggage coming into this? No, I do not have any baggage. Me neither. I have not read the, uh, the 90s. I'm here to listen to y'all's. Well, because that's because obviously, like when people hear Spider-Man Clone Saga, it's it's gone a weird, it's undergone a weird renaissance. You know, like when I got into comics, circa like 2010, even like like Spider-Man Clone Saga was a go-to bad, horrible 90s comic. Like that was a mm -hmm. reference point where people would be like, "This is this is when comics got bad." It's just kind of a running joke. And there's been like a mild renaissance in the way that there always is, where now with there's all this like. 90s nostalgia where it's like actually maybe it wasn't that bad and there were some interesting ideas um it like most things lie somewhere i mean in the it's middle. like 180 issues that's that's like the big problem right it's like well it runs too long this it enormous way way too long thing, is, yeah. is really the biggest issue with it um so even 90s, if it has a nice core of 12 issues there's no way that it can sustain the uh the bloat of it no and that's that's what this ultimate version does so well is yeah. it just says let's take the bloat for the most part and let's streamline it to this one thing that actually connects to the story we've been telling over the course of 100-plus issues. Now, Monica, as someone who has not been reading all of Ultimate Spider-Man along with us to this point, um, how how was the experience of reading these, whatever it is, 9 or 10 issues for you as a, uh, as a you know, comics fan? Well, I definitely—I had to do some research on my own. I actually went to—went uh, on Google and, like, did, like, some back history and just kind of, like, sped read through, like— some of it mm -hmm. um but i felt that there were like a lot of emotions that were tapped into this and it actually kept me riveted to know like what was going to happen initially especially like in regards to his father like with everything that was going on and like the revelation that like oh there might be clones like of peter going out like me personally i had never thought about like peter's parents like as a spider-man person because just because i had never really do you, gotten do you to know <laughs> do you know where, where this the so I, I'm I'm very new to Marvel Comics, right? Like reading through this uh, this club is like a lot of it's very new to me. Dave's kind of the expert. I'm like kind of the newbie. That's how we pitched it initially, and we, we read up to like 1990 in our main show. 
And one of the Mm. most surprising story beats is actually how Peter Parker's parents actually died. (laughs) Just something no one talks about. Is that there were spies that got killed by the Red Skull in, uh, like, Europe during World War II. (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) Yeah, right. It's one of those wild things ever. Like, in this, they die in a plane crash. And that is kind of how it feels like, you know, yeah, they just, of course, they got killed in, like, a plane crash. And it was just some senseless tragedy. When he was a mm-hmm, kid. Mm-hmm. No, in the well, they're also universe... they are also scientists who had worked on the Venom formula, or at least yeah, Peter's dad right, is, right, right. right? Which I I do actually yeah. prefer the Ultimate Universe version of his parents because they are connected mm. to the Spider-Man oh, yeah. universe without going mm. too far, without going to like you know, oh, I I secretly originally created you. Whereas, yeah, in in six one six with with the um, Amazing Spider-Man annual, it's just like, <laughs> oh yeah, your parents they were in the CIA, and it's just like this weird twist that like kind of and, and it's like the uh the, the red skull killed your peter spider-man's dad and mom like so it, it, spider-man never reacts to like that red skull is some kind of villain for him you know like it, it's so weird it's like the the villain who killed your parents is not actually ever like in his universe which is very strange anyway that's that's, that's an aside um it was an act of vengeance uh, very funny um this is i i think for brian michael bendis who usually like I think oftentimes I'm thinking like, hey, this uh, this seven or six issue arc could have been two or three. You know, like I think he's dragging it out. I think this is incredibly well paced with like the, yeah. there was something new being introduced all the time without it feeling like he was just throwing like a lot of stuff against the wall. Like it felt like there was a purpose to everything going on. I think like it really moves. Like I read all 10 at once and like never got bored, never got like felt like I was wishing for it to hurry up. I think it's really good work from like someone who has been I, I don't want to say he's phoning it in for a while but you know like not I, I feel like he hasn't had big inspiration for a while because we even finished the last arc and it said like next issue scorpion and I was like oh, god all right whatever like it's just gonna be the ultimate yeah. version of the scorpion it's just gonna be right. some guy in a suit it's gonna be boring it's like no it's it's Peter Parker right it's a clone of Peter Parker who was experimented on and had the suit grafted to him and uh and there's yeah that was brutal yeah and there's a female peter parker around jessica drew here is just peter parker's clone which is very cool i love that idea Mm -hmm. i wanted them to kiss um (laughs) you don't think about that literally making out with yourself yeah like a clone that's called called self-love exactly (laughs) (laughs) if there wasn't a female dave walking around you don't think you'd because if there's a female zach you're assuming there's not I was gonna, yeah, that's know. true. We are making big assumptions, but I definitely yeah. would kiss a female Zach. I'd kiss a male Zach. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Oh. Before you, before you reveal. Okay, I'm well, sorry. That, that's great. Listen, reveal what you want to reveal. By <laughs> before we go further down that rabbit hole, though, uh, I do want to say with the Clone Saga, to your point, Zach, like it's it, it, it the thing that impressed me so much about these issues because I, I had a similar reaction, which was like, man, this is really fun. Was the way that by the end of it. Um, Bendis decides like hey instead of doing the jackal quite the way that like 70s and then later in the 90s 616 Mm -hmm. does it where it's this character that he kind of builds some familiarity and relevance to but like it's not a big bad of the Spider-Man universe Bendis is like yeah actually the big the big twist by the end of this is gonna be let's bring in Doc Ock and let's have him do it and it actually helps ultimate universe Doc Ock matter more Mm -hmm. because now he has really sort of punctured the heart and the life of Peter Parker in a way that like no one this side of Norman Osborn has, which is they, yeah. a thing they've struggled with in ultimate Spidey is green goblin that he's the main villain of Spider-Man in the ultimate yeah. universe. No questions asked. Right. Whereas in six, one six, it's debatable. You can at least have a conversation about like, who is it? Is it doc? Ock? Is it green goblin? Is it venom? Is it Whatever. Craven. Um, and here we bring is a craven, and here we bring in uh, uh, Doc Ock in a way where it's like, oh, like he just he just had more of an impact on Peter's. Like, think about the emotional ringer that this character. Like, obviously that's Peter Parker's deal, right? He goes through a grind of trauma and guilt and emotion, and this one is crazy. It's like, hey, your dad's back. You're welcome to your dad. Hey, Gwen Stacy's back. She's fine. Oh, also she's carnage. You know, and then it's just like this endless cycle. Of like, you know, it's not it's not just the teenage drama, which this series has done pretty well, too. But that's mixed in. You got MJ captured. You know, he's got to get back to her, even though he's still dating Kitty, who he's kind of blowing off. Oof. Oof. Whole thing. Whole thing. Right? Drama. Exactly. You know, I felt so bad for Kitty. If yeah, if yes. I have a complaint about this, I feel like it really does a, a it does a little disservice to the Peter Parker Kitty Pride relationship, which is something that yeah. we've, we've yeah. really loved here because it is like it's one of the very few like completely fresh ideas for the ultimate universe is that these two mm-hmm. teenager 
superheroes are going to be dating. And it like makes so much sense. And I, I feel like Brian Michael Bendis is like, well, it's time for Peter and MJ to get back together. Like it needs to end up there. And yeah, it, it's a bummer. I feel like it doesn't quite develop enough. And Kitty, Kitty doesn't come across well here. Like they have that opening conversation no. on their phone yeah. that makes Kitty just seem like really impossible. Like she's being, you know, like she's just being hysterical and uh, like un- unreasonable and, and like, yeah, which kind of stinks because she she's been great so far. Um, and I think it's trying to set up that like, you know, a, a rift between them so that Peter has a little bit more freedom to like go back to MJ. You know, I, I don't mind like them breaking up it's not like i'm like well i'm just mad that they're broken up i just i think like he kind of rushed that and uh, i wish it had been you know uh, given a little bit more uh the, the time that i think like it deserves uh, based off what he built up already um the the only other dumb thing about this and this is a nitpick for sure in a, a run i really like i don't like the uh doc ock being like i'm uh i'm a little bit magneto now He's like, I just control metal. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was that? I didn't get that. No, that's that you don't. I was, I was, just, I was just like, it's not huh? you. It's it's just here. Right? Like, <laughs> no, that that is just him. Where he's just like the arms. It's not that I control the arms. I control metal. Okay. Yeah, it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> no, and that was it. Yeah, just like out of the blue. It was like, it, and it's one of those things too, where it's like he already controlled him with his mind. Like, yeah. Why do you need to add the metal? Like, just use your your weird. Yeah. Why did Why didn't powers? the arms just come out again? You know, <laughs> like I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't understand that either. That was a strange one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, all in all, like I I think the Clone Saga here is done shockingly well. It, it just I, like, I enjoy it, the story. It feels epic. Like I said, it feels event sized in a way that is um actually exciting because this I think you know you're right. This Spider Man hasn't felt like it's had an event since the Carnage thing with Gwen, which kind of. I think like totally whiffed on yeah, on oh, yeah we hate, hated that yeah um but here it hits I think everything is everything feels earned the emo- like the emotional stakes of Peter's dad because I even reading this having read it before I was like wait is that actually his dad like I was I was actually mm-hmm. caught mm-hmm. up in that uh in a way mm-hmm. and then by the end of it you know there's there's some emotion to like him realizing he's a clone that he's not going to get to see his son anymore like it it hits I think it actually works uh pretty well and and I think like it keeps it, it does the thing that brian michael bendis does well like one of the things he does really well with peter parker is it does just keep like ramping up the tension on this teenage boy where it's just like you feel the pressure on his shoulders on his head and just like the unbearable amount of pressure on his shoulders continually builds and peter parker's like ability to kind of not snap right which i like that it it plays into that at the end where nick fury kind of acquiesces and is like backstage because Nick Fury is awful throughout this. Nick Fury is being totally unreasonable and bullying Peter Parker. And at the end, he's like, I was wrong. I saw, you know, I saw everything happening to you and I know people and I don't trust people. And I think you're going to turn into our next big supervillain. And that's why I put contingency plans. And he's like, and I'm wrong. Like you have handled everything dealt out to you. And I think you're, you know, (laughs) you're going to make it basically. Um, which I think that that moment felt very earned to me because I was so mad at Nick Fury throughout this. Like, um, it's so unreasonable. Yeah. I mean, Nick Fury here in this universe, I, I mean, in 616 also, but he's a jerk, right? Like, and he, and they've, they've had a fraught relationship, but like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh, can we just, <laughs> just want to point out <clears throat> Richard Parker is telling his backstory where he's like, go, yeah, which I guess is fake. It was implanted, but he's talking about going to work for the CIA and the CIA is like, you're not going to be working for Nick Fury. You know, we want you working for the good guys, creating weapons for the good guys. That's the difference. And I'm like, you're from the CIA. What are you talking about? I mean, and it's yeah, working for the also, good guys. Also that, like never underestimate the military industrial. Like, right. As if the CIA <laughs> is not, you know, notoriously one of the most like evil organizations to ever exist. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, that that really like cracked me up that he was just like gee golly i'm i'm working for someone good now i can feel good about myself sleep well at night cuz i'm only making gen- genetic super soldiers for the cia well they're led by henry Gyrick, who is always a complicated often villainous yeah, character right. in 616 and i i think the story cer- certainly the story is clear that the cia are not the ones to be trusted in it, this scenario it, it would have you know? been less laughable if it was just like make up an organization you know, make up some 
phony organization. Maybe, but but, but I think Gyrick believes that. Yeah. I think is the thing. Go ahead, Monica. But I, I think that's something that, that Gyrick believes. Like CIA, me, we are always. I just felt like it was a spy versus spy situation of like yeah. some cops, like like cops versus cops. Like on the other hand, you have like Shield. They want to police like the entire world, and then we have the CIA that just like is awful. So I was just like, who actually really is the good guy here? I don't think they're actually. <laughs> yeah, so. which who's our, just, our uh, favorite cop? Yeah agency here. yeah exactly which is like the lesser two evils yeah, which one has yeah, the gold yeah. star which doesn't so which one has like smiley face emojis which one you know that's it yeah, so which one no, exactly. tweets out the rainbow flag every mm-hmm. you know, every exactly March. exactly, exactly. Yeah. i feel like yeah. neither. i feel like yeah, neither yeah. of the scenario they, they both oh no the cia the cia is into that now you know they, are they yeah yeah they'll, they'll I, tweet I like black CIA lives matter Twitter. you know right I, I just think like shield in this in the ultimate universe they they are not portrayed as the there's a lot of conversation right now around the MCU and like it basically like how like it's military propaganda essentially like there's there's a lot of really interesting analysis and some things that I've read into that I would not have understood had I not it's an interesting debate going on I mean in the ultimate universe what they do right now is with shield is it shield never in the ultimate you feels like the quote-unquote military propaganda, you know, I think in a lot of ways, at least in my reading, because, Zach, to your point, Nick Fury is so—he is so single-minded, and he is so laser-focused, and he is so often almost the villain of the story, especially in Spider-Man. Like, he's so often doing the clear wrong thing, maybe for the right reasons, you know, in the in the interests of national security or whatever his focus is, um, that S.H.I.E.L.D. rarely has those, like, goody— like oh they're here to protect us vibes. I mean, you know? Miller, even, Miller even has done a good job at that, right? I mean, it, it's it's either you need to be like have a cartoony, you know, like uh, the the nineteen sixties Jim Steranko spy agency where it's so far removed from reality that you're like James Bond, right? Where it's just like playing in a silly universe full of like silly spies and. You can enjoy it on that level with like with fictional agents, you right? Know, essentially, or you do what Mark Miller was doing, which is just like, yeah, they're probably just going to invade Iraq for oil, right? Like, th- th- you know, m- maybe they're using a different cover here, but like, eventually, it all ends up of like protecting, you know, national yeah. interests, right? Like, mm-hmm. actually talking about that. So I, I think, um, I think it's been it's done a good job of doing that. The, the MCU military thing debate to me is so funny because it's just like, yeah, of course, the, the same way that like all studio movies have done since the 80s right yeah. it, is, it is like water in like go watch like any michael bay movie right like there are it, it's just the way that the the hollywood studio works so it's not like this fresh new idea it's just kind of like yeah of course right like it's not unique to military, military propaganda or copaganda like yeah, i started it's, it's, with it's Edgar hoover and like his war against hollywood 100%. and like what they call like the hollywood cold war when they were just like communists are making too many movies we need to like have you know people like you know show like cops shown in like a different light so people can like reassert their trust and like authority and it, stuff it like is that. funny like, like, it's been like that forever. i just rewatched a charlie chaplin movie and it is just funny how mm-hmm. much like some of those old movies just disrespect cops you know like yeah because they're always like the bumbling like idiots and like the gangsters and stuff just kind of like breeze over them causing problems for like the uh you know the, the tramp and charlie chaplin he's just minding his own business and the cops are to be like you know to, to be feared because they just come and like rough people up yeah it's mm-hmm. very funny um yeah 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 the, the mcu thing is funny because it's just like yeah of course it is right but the same way that like it's not unique to the mcu that's the point i think people take offense to it because they're just like my mcu and it's like no it's just studio movies right that's just yeah. most <clears throat> most studio most, fair it's it's you know well most into, big budget no matter like the genre yeah right absolutely right. but yeah. it, but it's not even just comics media right like that's that is very sure. true of all the comics you read whether we're talking that's Honestly, like, there is no decade we've read, 60s, 70s, 80s, where that has not been instilled very clearly, right? You know, like, that's, mm-hmm. it's I, that a thing some, they are not uh, Some in the 80s is of. starting to question, you know, like, post-Vietnam, we're getting a little bit of questioning of, like, U.S. military? Are they, are we the baddies? You know, like, there's a little bit yeah, of, sure. of that going on. <laughs> You're at, in, at like, least asking the questions. They're starting. Yeah, they, they're, like, not, is it, uh, the JMD Mateus run does some of that. Um, sure. Which is, sure. which is good. Yeah, no. Yeah. Any any uh, final thoughts on um, 
on this Clone Saga, Monica? I feel like Monica. What else? What else was in the Notebook that we didn't cover? Yeah, yeah. What, you what have, else you do have you have more? Do you have any more fun? I just wish. I just wish that you know I had the maturity and strength that Peter Parker like has as a sixteen-year-old because <laughs> I find yeah. it a little hard to believe that he could handle like a clone of his father coming back and rehashing all of these memories. Plus, Aunt May having a heart attack, which like actually like choked me up because I was like, yeah. the whole interaction between them when she found found out that Peter had been lying to her that entire time was just like. I was like, oh my God, is that May going to die in this? Like, what's going she on? She gets I'm to be a real like, person oh. in the Ultimate Universe, which is exactly. nice. She gets, yeah, like, like entire like scenes to herself. Yeah. yeah, and I, I felt, like, that emotion. But also, in regards to his dad, I was definitely, like, second-guessing, like, while reading it. And I was just like, hold on. I don't know if I should feel sketched out by this or am I right about him, like, being a clone or whatever. And mm -hmm. I got really intrigued by that storyline. Um, so... Um, I think the one thing that was a bit unclear to me was the whole creation of uh, the symbiote, like uh, costuming, like that kind of got lost in translation to me. Like first it was used in order to combat cancer. It was, um, yeah, it's supposed to be like envelop somebody's body and then use their own cells to like, you know, kind of tr trigger their immune system. But then it just went wild and, you know, tur and, turned and into venom, like basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and me, I'm a big Venom fan, so I was like a little. I was hoping to see like more Eddie Brock. Like that. The creation of Venom is really cool in the Ultimate Universe, but then Venom actually being around is not nearly as good as, as you'd hope it would be. Yeah, they wind up okay. they wind up more interested in like weaponizing the symbiotes. Kind of yeah. once they've once they've introduced Venom, then it becomes like. Um, we, you actually do get a good Eddie Brock story, like in that original yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. USM introduction of the character. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I'd recommend checking it out. I actually like that one a lot. Uh, but then once they've done that, then it's like, and now we have symbiote costumes, and those are going to be weapons. And uh, that's basically the extent that the universe kind of... I'd be curious to go down the line in the Ultimate Universe, but I don't know. I don't know that they really lean into like Venom as a franchise, which is actually pretty shocking because it's very... It's very up the ultimate use alley, you would think, but they, yeah. they don't really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Uh, um, in regards to MJ and getting injected with Oz, I thought that was a pretty cool idea. And I've also wondered, mm. like, what MJ would look like away from Peter Parker, which is also why I was bummed that they put them back together. Because I thought that if Peter stayed with Kitty Pride, then, like, MJ would be able to formulate her own, like, self-identity, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And not rely on, like, the power and protection of Spider-Man. So I actually thought it was cool when she freaked out. I would freak out too. Yeah, uh, yeah. She she's she's pretty good in this series, and I, I think like I mean she is the like the girlfriend, right? But they like they they do a fair amount of trying to ground her. Like yeah, she's a real character who has to react to all of this, right? It's traumatizing, right? It is not just like she's not always just uh there to support just, Peter like, Parker, waiting. right? Like yeah, like waiting for him to like come and swing her away. Like she actually had to like fight, and I thought that was like really interesting and empowering for her character yeah, as she's, well. She's good. Um. Kitty Pride and like her depiction at the end when she was getting into the fight with Professor Xavier about like erasing Aunt May's uh, mm. memory mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I thought that was a, a bit like weird and like kind of like seemed forced to like make the reader dislike her because like even the way that she was set up at the beginning when she was asking Peter all those questions about Mary Jane, I felt like they were just like piling it on thick of being like she's just being a reactionary like obsessed insecure girl yeah, or something like that yeah, yeah. So i thought the fact that could have been handled that's how i better. thought about the beginning but i actually i, I kind of bought the the thing at the end where she like wanted to erase Aunt May's memory because she just wanted to protect peter um so that 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 didn't that sold for me but i i don't totally agree about the first the first scene your um your point about uh what was i gonna say Oh, I just I just totally lost it. Okay, sorry. Go on. That was I actually just mind wiped you. Uh, Monica chatted was... me and said, "Hey, can you mind wipe Zach about the last point?" And uh, so I just I just professor asked you. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's about it. Yeah, I just wanted to see more venom, honestly, because yeah, I thought that was a it doesn't happen cool too setup, much in the ultimate. I was just like, oh, that could have happened. But I did like Spider Woman, and like all of her dialogue was very snippy and nice, and like even if she was just like you know, born in a lab. She definitely has like her own personality, which I thought was yeah. very cool. I don't know. Especially when she jokes around with Peter being like, I'm going to go to school with you. Like, we're gonna <laughs> yeah, that's a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay. All right, cool. I, and he's just like completely freaked out. I don't know if we're going to see more of her in the ultimate universe. I, I hope so. Like she's, it's a we fun are. idea to be like, spider woman is literally his clone. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, like to have them have this connection. 
because of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were talking about, I remember what it was. You were saying, like, I don't know, you know, if I'd be able to handle all the stuff on this, like, teenage boy's shoulders. Uh, I totally agree, because he was, like, going through the thought process of, like, all I have to do is pot- punch Dr. Octopus in the head is snap his neck. Like, I just need to kill mm-hmm. him, kill him. And the whole time I was just like, yeah, do it. Do it. Like, <laughs> like, every time that comes up, I'm always just like, yeah, kill the villain. Do it. Like, I'm... <laughs> I am a very, I'm very weak and very, always want them just to kill the villain. So they'll uh, never let him break character. Come on. Yeah. No, I wish. I wish. <laughs> yeah. That's where you got to go to archive of our own or something. All right. Awesome. So that covers uh, my ultimate year. Number 16 uh, Two, one good, one mediocre and one uh, that I hated. I, I think, you know, it's kind of kind of par for the course. Yeah. Uh, episode 17, we'll be talking about Ultimate X-Men. We'll come back to that franchise. I think we still got, we're in the Robert Kirkman era. And then uh, yeah, a whole so. big chunk of Ultimate Fantastic Four. Um, I think we might be in the Mike Carey era yeah, of what? Ultimate Fantastic oh, Four, if I'm not mistaken there. We're definitely out yeah. of Ellis, which is nice. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, so that that's what's coming next. And then, uh, you know, as we kind of march towards Ultimatum, which is episode 22. So next to 17, 22 is going to be the so big around uh, the, the big midsummer. Event. We'll be getting there. Yeah. Midsummer. Okay, cool. Very cool. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Music for my ultimate year is by... Oh, no, I did it again. Um, you When you listen to the music <laughs> of this show, the sounds going into your ears are the music of By Divine Right. How is that for a seamless way to not say By, by Divine Right? Yeah, very good. Pretty good, right? Very good. Yeah, and no one, it. no one would notice. I'll, I'll edit the first part of that. Out. No one will know. Notice that you struggled with that. <laughs> no, no one will notice. No one will notice for sure. Um, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Comic Book Herald. Uh, pretty much anywhere. He's Zach. You can find him on social at Mymerl this year. Monica, where can people find you again? You can find me on Twitter at Negra Monica One or at Audrey Revenge. Sweet. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, awesome. and thanks, uh, a couple. Thanks for wait, joining us. Wait, I. The way I know you is I listened to a couple episodes uh, you just guested on Bitches on Comics, and those were very good mm. episodes. Very good podcast. I love S. I love SE and I love Sarah. I we always yeah. have a really good time. Yeah, uh, that podcast is great, and they're great. Yeah, they're great. They're great. They're great. Yeah, Sarah's Sarah's going to be on uh, our other show again soon. So she so she knows a lot. Yeah, like, she I'm she made us put some awe. really. Uh, uh, some obscure Ghost Rider comics from the 90s on our list Sick. that we're going to read. So I'm excited about that. I, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm less excited. I have a bone to pick. Sir, we'll be hearing Have you read them already? I haven't read them yet. Are you asking me? Yeah, I've read them yeah. before. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yes, indeed. All right. Well. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Monica. And as always, my ultimate year. At, as always. <laughs> we don't have a sign up my for this mul- <laughs> Uh, okay. Bye, Ultimate Year. That's Bye. I got issues. I got tissues.